What is up, everybody? This is Matilda Aguera Cooper, and you're listening to Finesse Your Wellness, the podcast that explores what it means to thrive and live well. On today's episode, we're discussing Auntie Flo, Lady Business, the Red Badge of Courage, <laughs> the Red Baron. Okay, let me keep it 100. We're talking about our periods. Because you know, it's a time of month that can be a stressful and unpleasant experience for women, especially when you consider everything that we face in life. If you're someone who can relate to that, then you're going to love this episode because I'm talking to someone who's helping us recognize there is light at the end of the tunnel. Lanise Brothers is a registered nutritionist and yoga teacher who specializes in women's health, hormones, and the menstrual cycle. She set up her private nutrition practice, Eat, Love, Move, to help empower and educate women to understand their bodies and advocate for better health care. She's also the host of the Period Story podcast, which aims to break taboos around menstrual health, hormones, perimenopause, menopause, and beyond. Now, she's helped hundreds of women improve their menstrual and hormone health. And in March 2022, she released her debut book, You Can Have a Better Period, which, take it from me, is the book I wish someone had given me when I got my first period. So in our chat, we talk about why it's important to understand our periods better and how we can use this knowledge to improve our health and well-being. Lenise, thank you so much for coming on to the Finesse Your Wellness podcast. It's so awesome to have you here. Thanks for having me. So um, as I kind of mentioned offline, I'm absolutely loving your book. And I think it was really interesting that in the intro, you talk about that one friend whose period comes like clockwork, no pain, no drama, um, those lucky folk. And I mean, I can't even lie. I am she and she is I, <laughs> at least in recent years, because it definitely wasn't always the case. And so I'm just curious to know, how did you become, I suppose, quite fascinated with periods and, and you know, what sort of inspired you to kind of look into them more? Well, I, it, in my book, I talk a lot about how when I first got my period, it was really painful, really heavy. And I thought that was normal because mm -hmm. my mom had really terrible, really long periods. And I saw what she went through and I thought, well, I guess this is, this is the way it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And then my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, she was going through the like menopause. Well, she was, I think, just thinking back, she must have been going through perimenopause mm. and she had these terrible, terrible hot flashes. And we just all thought like, you know, okay, well, this is normal. And so period problems, problems with hormones, they were just, you know, normalized in our family. And I like, as I say in the book, you know, I had looked around and I saw my friends who they seem to have these really, really easy periods. Right. And I started to think like, you know, what's going on here? And then I discovered that actually what I was going through wasn't normal. And then over the years, I, through lots of trial and error, I tried to figure out ways to change my period, make it less painful, make it less heavy. And then I kind of went through high school, then university, and then spent many years working in advertising, 
where I got to the point where I just hadn't had enough. And I was looking for a career change, which I think we might touch on yeah. in our conversation. <laughs> and then when I was retraining as a nutritionist, my lecturers, they would always say, you need to specialize in something. Mm. And I thought to myself, well, why don't I specialize in in periods and hormones? You know, wouldn't that be interesting? Because, you know, yeah. I've done so much work on myself, you know, and it's not just me saying because I've made all these changes on myself, then I can, you know, do the exact same thing with other people. It's more like that. Or this is where the passion comes from, because I know that that nutrition and lifestyle changes um, and all of the things that I talk about in the book are so powerful. Mm. And I just wanted to help other people have a better period. Yeah, absolutely love that because you talk about the sort of trial and error with dealing with the pain. And, you know, I cast my mind back to when I was younger because I had chronic cramps. Like I can't even, I don't want to think back. It was, <laughs> it was just mad traumatic. And I think I then discovered Feminax, you know, which yeah. was just a, a painkiller. And I became so dependent on Feminax that if I didn't take it, sort of from the first day, it was literally game over. So, you know, in your book, when you talk about sitting in the hot baths and having the water bottle, I was like, yeah, that was 100% me. But I think I failed to recognize that as I was getting older and I was starting to make lifestyle changes, like getting into running, thinking a little bit more about my diet, suddenly there was, I suppose, less apprehension around the time of the month because I wasn't getting those cramps anymore. Um, so I guess talking about sort of those lifestyle changes, what would you say are probably some of the common misconceptions that people have when it comes to their periods, especially as far as their lifestyle? Well, that there's nothing that they can do to change their period. That's something I hear a lot. Well, you know, oh, well, my mom told me that painful periods were normal or my doctor told me that it was some people just have really bad periods and they there's this kind of misconception that we have to we have to just take this because you know it's part of having a period and I think it's really powerful when you understand that your period and your menstrual cycle so your menstrual cycle being from day one of your period all the way through to the day before your next period starts. So like it can be anywhere between 21 to 35 days. They're another vital sign. So mm. a signal from your body as to what's going on with your health. So your health status. And so, you know, simple things that we do. So you mentioned running, you know, exercise movement is a really, really powerful way of, helping to manage your nervous system mm -hmm. and helping to tell your body, okay, we're safe. You know, it's safe enough to have a period. Um, and it's a really good way to help, you know, regulate hormones. I mean, that's if exercise is being done in a kind of healthy way. Sure. You know, if 
you see a lot with a lot of athletes, they lose their periods because mm. there's a lot of over exercising happening. Mm-hmm. But something I think is really simple and but so powerful and probably you know something that you you would kind of get more tuned in through running is breathing so that kind of rhythmic breathing that you have to do when you're running that inhale through the nose and that exhale through the nose it's another really powerful way to tell your brain and your nervous system that you're safe, you know, Mm. it's safe enough to have a healthy, a healthy, normal period. You know, those lifestyle changes that you make can be really powerful. um, And they can do go a long way to helping change period problems. Yeah, absolutely. So then on that point about periods being a vital sign, I thought it was really interesting that you mentioned the difference between the U.S. and the U.K. Mm-hmm. And so I was curious to know, why do you think the U.K. don't consider the period as a vital sign? Um, that's a really good question because it's not like you could say that the U.S. is more advanced from a medical mm-hmm. perspective because, you know, I, I wouldn't say that that's, that's the case. I think the U.K. and the U.S. are pretty much on the same page in terms of what you might get. We're not talking about access to healthcare. We're just talking mm. about healthcare in itself. Um, but I think it's probably about maybe it's the American um, College of Gynecologists and um, Obstetrician, Obstetricians and Gynecologists. And Perhaps you just have more people who are a bit more forward thinking and who mm-hmm. recognize that actually we need to take this seriously. Maybe they've seen um, what what happens in their patients when they do really see the period in the menstrual cycle as a vital, vital sign and they kind of track the changes and track the symptoms and then track the any effect of any treatments on those symptoms. I think that if you talk to doctors in the UK, you know, certainly the conversations I've had with doctors over the last couple of weeks, they are, they do think that as well. Mm. Um, But sometimes what I see in the NHS certainly is that what, what's happening in the research is seven, about seven years ahead of where the NHS actually is. So Hopefully we'll see these changes come through um, quite soon. I had a, actually a really interesting conversation with the chief um, executive of the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Okay. Um, yeah, because at the launch of the Endometriosis Foundation last week. And she's really passionate about all of this. And, you know, as you would expect, you know, be working on obstetrics and gynecology um, and I think this is something that will be recognized in the UK fairly soon. Good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so important because even just the fact that you flagged that kind of made me think, gosh, I, <laughs> I need to pay more attention. <laughs> I definitely need to, you know, because I know if like, to your point, like blood pressure, you know, breathing, all these other aspects, I, I would take it very seriously if something felt a little bit off, um, 
And so, yeah, I, I just think, yeah, it's, it's definitely something that kind of reminds us that it's really important that we kind of dig a little bit deeper. Um, you kind of touched on ways to de-stress. And I think I kind of wanted to look at sort of like the impact of sort of work and our, and our lifestyles as far as some of the things we should consider because you worked in advertising and I was just so curious to kind of know what was your wellness and lifestyle like when you were working and, and was that what kind of sparked the career change? <laughs> um, I mean, so I worked in, so I worked in advertising in the UK. Um, so I worked in media agencies. Mm. Um, so the, you know, it's very demanding and the level that I was working at the type of clients that I was working on, very demanding, you know, you, you know, you were always on. So I was always checking my emails. I would have calls from clients in the evenings at the weekend. And so I didn't, you know, I did a lot of exercise and I would do at that time, I was doing a lot of Pilates. I was doing a lot of yoga. Mm -hmm. I was doing a lot of running, but it was a kind of means to an end. It wasn't Mm. the way that I think about it now as very much something that will help regulate my nervous system. It was very much a, this is something that's going to help me maintain my weight, maybe lose weight, lose weight. That was the kind of my perspective on exercise back then. Mm-hmm. And then I was, I was working crazy hours, drinking loads of coffee. Um, I mean, at one point I was drinking like seven cups, cups of coffee, black coffee oh a day. Yeah. Wow, black as well. Yeah. <laughs> Not even any melts are just yeah, out. really, really hardcore. Uh, <laughs> and and then drinking wine in the evenings because I was so wound up that I needed something to help me de-stress at the end of the day. So I was in this cycle of just being really kind of exhausted at the beginning of the day, using coffee to power me through. And then, you know, relying on alcohol as a way to relax. And it actually took me, I got pregnant and then it just, that was what made me think I need to do something different. I cannot Mm. work in this industry in the way that I want to work and be the mother that I want to be. And then from there... I started to really, because I'd always been interested in health, Mm -hmm. but I started to really think about, you know, how could I actually eat better? How could I actually um, live a healthier lifestyle? Um, And then, yeah, I kind of, so, you know, to go back and answer your question, wellness when I was in advertising wasn't, it wasn't, my perspective on wellness is was very different. It was mm-hmm. exercise as a means to an end. Food was very much kind of like, you know, you would have you you'd have your lunches. It was very much like going on jollies and mm-hmm. entertaining clients, <laughs> you know. <Yeah. laughs> that sort of <laughs> that sort of thing. Very different to, you know, my perspective on wellness now. Cause I don't drink alcohol anymore. Mm. Um, I don't drink coffee anymore. 
Um, and that, that might make me sound like a really boring person. Far but... from, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Far from, because we know, right? Like we know that these things um, in excess, especially aren't great for us. And I actually love the fact that you flagged sugar, you flagged alcohol, you flagged coffee, because I've had like my own journey with sugar particularly. And, you know, when you make that point about doing things as far as a means to an end, it's like, yeah, okay, I'll cut out sugar because, you know, I know that with sugar, I can put on weight. But the last thing I thought of was sugar impacting my menstrual cycle. Mm. So I think it's really important that you kind of flag these things and just that immediate connection to the impact that it can have on your health. Yeah. So kind of just touching on that, you know, you are a nutritionist and nutritionist, nutrition in it of itself is quite a significant part of your book. I mean, what are those kind of immediate things other than the vices that we just discussed that people should factor into their diets and what impact do those things have and can have on our periods? Yeah, um, that's such a good question. The way that I like to look at it is really about what are you adding in rather mm. than what are you taking out? You know, I know we've just talked about the impact of taking out alcohol, taking out the sugars, and for some people, taking out coffee. But that's not like that doesn't have to be the path for everyone. Mm -hmm. If that feels really hard, it's just about what are you adding in? So, yeah. you know, things like fat are really important for having a good period because our hormones like estrogen and progesterone are made from the fats that we get through our meals. And, you know, not so much, you know, there's a kind of age, age kind of cut off point with okay. this conversation. Whereas I think people, women under 40, they kind of are on board with this idea that yes, <laughs> you need to eat fats. Mm. But it's really a lot of women over 40 who kind of grew up in the I mean, 90s. That, that was me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read that bit and I was like, ooh. <laughs> I mean, avocado, okay. Yeah, yeah, butter. <laughs> Maybe olive oil, but butter? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really like, it's like, can you make that switch away from margarine to butter? Mm. Can you move away from like vegetable oil to using olive oil to cook? That, that I can do. That I can yeah. do. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I think, you know, that kind of cultural programming was mm -hmm. so strong, you know, like, I can't believe it's not butter, <laughs> right. you know, yeah. and it's just, it, it, that really sticks in people's minds and low fat, low calorie and, we talked a little bit about, you know, the body needing to feel safe in order to have a healthy period. But part of that is also making sure that you're getting enough nutrients. And that's part of the way that the body feels safe. So getting enough fat, getting enough protein, eating enough vegetables, you know, those colors, the green vegetables, and just eating enough food in general. You know, I see, I see actually a lot on TikTok at the moment, people following these like low calorie or these macro approaches mm -hmm. and they post the macros for the day and the, what they're eating. 
And I just think like, you know, this is a disaster for your mm. hormones and your, for your period because you are eating, yes, you're eating a lot of protein, but you're not eating enough vegetables. Right. You're not eat necessarily eating high quality foods. And I think that's really important, you know, focusing on making sure that your, you know, your plate has a lot of green vegetables, like not every meal, it's not going to be possible, but mm. what can you add in some broccoli, maybe add in some asparagus or kale, you know, just every meal thinking, what can I add in that's going to make my plate as nourishing as possible. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I love the kind of breakdown, the 50% greens, 20 to 25% protein, 15 to 20% fiber, and then the five to 10% healthy fats. Cause that in of itself is like a, a the formula that is, you know, very straightforward to follow and kind of feels like a really good starting point. Mm. Yeah. You also talk about planning exercise around your menstrual cycle. And one of my first questions about this is how important is it for women to actually track it? Because I've had trackers, I've kept it going for a few months, and then I've just gone back to the, oh, I'll just go with my, you know, my inner senses. Because I tend to know when my period is going to start and, you know, it ends. But, you know, is it vital that we track it so then we kind of know how to plan around it? I say that, you know, if you're, if you're only, you know, when your period starts and ends, because, you know, I think that's obvious, mm -hmm. um, you have obvious signs um, and you know when you're ovulating. That I do not know. Okay. <laughs> like, I like I wouldn't know sort of instinctively unless, again, I use a tracker. Yeah. Well, but even then, a tracker is not going to tell you when you ovulate. Oh, okay. Yeah. How does one know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. So what so what comes to your tracking your menstrual cycle, you know, you have, you know, you have the kind of three areas that I always tell people to track is the first of the day of the period, the last day of your period. And then when you think you might be ovulating or the day you ovulated. And there mm -hmm. are signs that you get your body t gives you to tell you that you are either about to ovulate or you have ovulated. So mm -hmm. one of the signs is some, some of us can actually feel when we've ovulated. So we ov ovulate out of, out of different ovaries each, each time. Um, or one ovary. So you're, it might be right, right, left, right. You know, it, it varies, but it's not the mature egg isn't coming out of both ovaries. It's one ovary. And that kind of can feel the egg coming out of the ovary and moving down the fallopian tubes. The egg has to kind of break through the ovary for that to happen. And it's not a violent act, but it has to like, it's, you can feel it. Like some mm. people can feel it. I feel it. It's like, it depends on, you know, what's going on. Like this month, I really felt it because I have mild endometriosis and mm. I'm convinced that, you know, I probably have some scarring on my ovaries. And I, so I really felt it this month. Um, 
But if you don't feel when you ovulate, that's fine because not everyone does. There are signs that your body will give you that you're moving towards ovulation. Okay. So there's, you'll notice a change in your energy levels. Mm. So you'll know that, especially if your period, your energy level during a period is quite subdued, you know, your energy will start to rise. And then you'll notice maybe you're a bit more social. Maybe your libido is a little stronger. You know, you might not be kind of like at 100%, but you just might be a little bit more kind of, you know, open to that sort of conversation. <laughs> so if you're single, and that's kind of the best time to go out on dates. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. <laughs> um, and then you kind of phys- you get physical signs from the body. So you after you finish your period, they'll you kind of have that very clear menstrual menstrual blood. It's red, mm-hmm. dark red, cranberry. And then after you finish, then you'll notice this kind of s- cervical fluid. Mm. And, you know, most most of us, we might just wipe and then not think anything of, of it. Mm-hmm. But it's a really important sign of our bo- from our body that we're making enough estrogen um, because as estrogen rises that's what helps us make that cervical fluid and then it gradually changes and then right before we ovulate it looks a bit like egg white Mm. and it's quite like not it's almost tacky like if you were to pick it up Mm -hmm. it would be kind of like not as gluey as glue Mm. but the whole aim of that is to if you know the if if there's sperm coming up the kind of cervical canal, it catches the sperm right. and brings it up to the egg. Um, and so it's a really important sign that you're making enough estrogen and that you're moving towards ovulation in a healthy way. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I don't remember that lesson at school. <laughs> <laughs> I remember bits and pieces, but I certainly didn't remember that. And I think what's quite helpful about your book is that, you know, you do go into quite scientific detail about what's happening with the body. I also thought this kind of concept of our menstrual cycle and seasonality was super interesting Um, and maybe even a little bit intimidating because I know for myself, I was like, okay, this is a lot to track and and think about (laughs) in the back of my mind. And and so how do you kind of advise people navigate that? Because I think the ovulation um, point is quite an interesting one. And I'm pretty sure those moments when I think my period is about to happen or I feel something, that's probably ovulating, but I probably didn't know how to, you know, to describe it or even just frame it. But as far as some of the other things that we should kind of consider, like a seasonality, you know, how deep does one get when they're kind of now, you know, being hyper-conscious about their periods? Yeah. So I think, you know, you, you can go as as deep into this as you want. If it feels like too much, the only thing that you really need to to be aware of is when your period is and when you ovulate. Mm-hmm. And then maybe as you start to become more familiar with 
um, what's going on with your body. Because the reality is, is that so much of us, so many of us are very externally focused, but then if you start to kind of tune in to what's going on, you might notice that actually say when you're, so bringing exercise back into this. So mm-hmm. when, if you have a training plan, you might adjust the training plan for your, for where you are in your menstrual cycle. So in your, on your first couple of days of your period, you might actually say, you know, I might not run today. I mm. might just go for a walk or my, I might just take it easy. And then after, and the, so that's your kind of like inner winter. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. really using the analogy of the outer seasons that kind of slowing down that happens during winter and then, you know, kind of using that to make it feel a little bit more relatable. Then you have your, you finish your period and then you kind of go into your spring mm. and thinking about, okay, we're actually coming to spring now. Right. It's, you know, the weather is starting to, it's starting to get a little bit warmer it's a bit brighter and we can feel that internally in increase in energy from an exercise perspective. This is where you might actually say, I'm going to do a little bit more strength training Um, because testosterone levels are rising and that's associated with increased strength, increased capacity to build muscle. And then you then so you then you ovulate, and for many of us, that's the kind of peak of our menstrual cycle. That's where we might feel our best, like kind of our best selves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of summer. You know, some people might not like summer, but it's just a, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a it's a framework, and mm. you know your your view might vary, but you know the framework can be really valuable to help guide people, especially in a concept like this that is still quite new to a lot of us. definitely. Yeah. And then, so this is the time from an energetic perspective where your energy is at its peak and then your exercise, it's just really about channeling that energy. Um, Then after you ovulate, you have, you're moving towards your kind of peak of progesterone and then a second smaller peak of estrogen. Right. And from an exercise perspective, this is actually associated with better kind of cardio um, capacity, cardiovascular capacity. So, you know, thinking about you as a runner, Mm -hmm. this is where you might notice that those kind of steady runs, those longer runs feel easier. Right. And then you're moving into your kind of inner autumn. So you kind of, you might notice maybe the energy is starting to dial down a little bit. And this is where it's really important to tune in because Mm -hmm. we we have this mindset where we expect ourselves to feel the same way every day mm. and we don't. 
And it's that's actually okay. You know, we, you know, it's a very kind of masculine perspective thinking, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to feel the same way, have the same sort of energy every day. And when you realize that actually your energy changes, your capacity for exercise um, and the types of exercise that you're you're kind of best attuned to change during different parts of your menstrual cycle. When you realize that it's very, very powerful and actually can actually make you train a little bit better. Right. Because you can be a little bit more efficient. Mm-hmm. So these seasons happen between the 21 to 35 days of our menstrual cycle, like those four things. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That's that's really interesting. And the time that we actually bleed, is that just winter? Winter is the bleeding time. Yeah, that's winter. Right, right, right. Wow. Um, I think that is really helpful because I know for myself, as I'm getting older, I'm definitely trying to readdress how I approach fitness. You know, I think to your point, this mindset of doing the same thing, having the same attitude and approaching things the exact same way every single time can often be, I know, my MO. But I think of late, I'm starting to recognize, nah, actually, <laughs> maybe you are a bit more energetic today or maybe this is a day where you just kind of need to to chill out. And, you know, I think this is where self-care kind of comes into all of this. I mean, mm. water sort of maybe just to kind of wrap up some of those considerations we should have when we're just thinking about our menstrual cycle. And and, and I know you kind of touched on it going through the seasons, but almost for people to kind of deal with the emotional aspect of, you know, how they feel. Um, what are some of those tips you would advise? I would say that having a community and support around you is a really powerful form of self-care because you know we we almost feel like you know just like you know I talked about how we expect to feel the same way every day yeah we also a lot of us expect to do everything on our own yeah and when you have a community around you who you know you can go to and say I just need someone to listen to me you know I don't need any advice I just need someone to listen to or listen to me or um, you can go to someone and say I need help Mm. that's really really powerful because it's another way that we tend to our nervous systems and another way that we can help our bodies feel safe I've kind of really moved away from this very Instagram idea of self-care mm-hmm. to <laughs> ain't real. <laughs> it's, it's very cliche, right? Yeah. Light yeah. a candle, have a bath. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. That's cool. Those are, you know, all nice things, but you know, self-care as we know is, is deeper than that. Yeah. And even just, you know, community and support for boundaries, mm. I think are a really powerful way for you to say, okay, I know my limits and I'm not going to 
let you step past them. And I think that's kind of something that we get better at as we get older, because I'm in my 40s as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I know for sure, I like in the last like five years, certainly I'm much better at saying no. I don't right. want to do that. Same, same. <laughs> no, no. It's like, first of all, I ain't got no capacity. Second of all, I need to protect my space. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. I know we've only scratched the surface. And again, I just want people to kind of check out your pod and, and check out your book. But before you go, finally, how do you finesse your wellness? How do I finesse my wellness? I think... Something that is really powerful for me is this idea of, I call it chasing light. And mm. and it's actually become something I've noticed that a lot more, like talking to my clients over the last three years, something that they need a lot more because more people are staying indoors. Mm-hmm. And you have like people who some days... You know, they could go three, four days without even going outside. Right. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Really, you know, chasing light. So in the morning, if you can go outside, go outside, like expose your eyes to daylight. If you can't go outside, open your curtains, open your blinds and just look, look outside. At some point during the day, go outside and get exposure to natural light because it's so it's such a simple free thing that we can do that has such a powerful effect on our nervous system you know I talk a lot about our nervous systems but you know it's one of the ways that when we support it it helps us feel safe and helps us have a better period so you know, just exposing your eyes and yourself to natural light light is just such a, an incredible way to, you know, to finesse your wellness. Yeah, that's a good one. That is awesome. Lenise, thank you so much. Um, I've made a lot of notes <laughs> <laughs> um, and things that I'm definitely going to take away. Um, where and how can people find you and connect with you? Yes. Yeah, so um, the book is You Can Have a Better Period, and that's available anywhere you buy books online. Um, my Instagram, my, all my socials are at Eat Love Move. Um, and my website is www.eatlovemove.com. And so you can go to my website, um, book in for a conversation with me. And you can check out my podcast, which is Period Story, anywhere you you listen to podcasts. Nice. Thank you so much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. There is no doubt that Lenise knows her stuff. And I think there's so many ways we can benefit from the work she's doing on helping us have better periods. So here are my top three takeaways. Number one. Exercise can help manage our nervous systems, and this can help us during our menstrual cycles. But it's so important to be mindful of what we're doing to respect what our bodies need. In other words, we do not need to do the most all the time. (laughs) Number two, the impact of nutrition on our menstrual cycles is as much about what we're adding in 
rather than just what we're taking out. I mean, when I was reading her book, I clocked what she had to say about sugar and alcohol. I was like, okay, girl, you need to relax on those two things. But also, I appreciated that she kind of focused on the importance of getting those greens in, making sure we have more fat in our diet. So it's so important that we don't underestimate our diets and the way that can influence how we feel when we have our periods. And finally, number three, it is so okay to not feel the same way every day. And for me, this was a whole word. We all know that mood swings are very much associated with our periods, but I think this is more about respecting what our body is experiencing in all the seasons of our cycle. Love that framework. And I think it's about giving more consideration to how we treat ourselves in those moments. Now that's kind of deep, but I think it's really important. So that's a wrap for this episode of Finesse Wellness, brought to you by Fly Girl Collective, a space for Black women and women of color who want to level up their wellness and lifestyle. You can follow Fly Girl Collective on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or sign up to our mailing list at flygirlcollective.co for lovely tips, goodies, and invites delivered straight to your inbox. And if you loved what you heard, rate and review us on iTunes because it means a lot. Much love to you all. Catch you on the next episode.